0: You are listening to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast aimed at delivering insights to help your family business thrive. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and each week I'll be bringing you interviews from family businesses and their advisors from all over the world. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined today by my friend and colleague, John Tucker. Um, now, for our long-term listeners, some of you will have heard John on the very first episode of the Family Business Podcast, and we've been trying to get John back on ever since. Um, I've been working with John um, for, for about three years now, and we've spoken about getting him on to, to do some, um, some more podcasting And every time we've tried to do it, something has conspired against us. And um, today we were sat in my normal recording um, office, hit record, and the office next door started drilling. So we've now had to move to a safe location. Um, But John, we are finally there. You are back on the podcast. (laughs) Um, And extra special because this is episode 50. So welcome along to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks Russ, 50. Hmm. Yeah, coincides with 50 years of marriage, exactly. what about that?
0: So we can celebrate.
1: We can celebrate. The
0: fact that we have firstly got to 50 episodes. Who'd have thought that when we started? Um, but also the the reason we're talking today is we have had some um, direct contact from people who are asking about family business consultancy. Now, that's something that we both do. Very keen to point out this is not an advert for us. this is just an educational um, podcast based on what family business consultancy is. But before we get into that, perhaps it would be a good idea to give our audience a little bit of your background mm-hmm. how you came to be doing what you're doing now, your history in the field um, and over to you. Thanks um, yeah I, I guess I guess in some ways it's a bit
1: bit of a sort of chocolate box. Uh, with with different sort of centre of flavours in the centre, but, but a but a spine uh, running through it, a similar spine running through it. Uh, from from leaving school, it was trained as a chef and had aspirations to becoming a professional footballer. So I did that for a while. And wasn't good enough. Um, and well, you know, without too much detail, I ended up at about the age of twenty two. But got married at twenty. And the age of twenty two, thought it was about time I did something a bit more serious with my life. And I took myself off the university, and I spent three years in the university in Liverpool, uh, where I studied sociology. And uh, and then for the next six or seven years of my career after I finished, uh, I spent working with with families and uh, as a social worker. And um, I was very lucky that I, I was I got to a point where I, I guess I decided I wanted again to, to to move on and do something else. I was lucky to be appointed as a regional director for a charity that was. Had a, a large uh, contract with, a, with probably the biggest engineering employer in the southwest, mm-hmm. and at that point they had somewhere in the region of 2,000 young employees. Uh-huh. And with my experience of, of, of working with youngsters in the community, I was lucky to get this job, and I was then responsible for the biggest personal development training program in Europe, wow. which covered um, 16-year-old craft apprentices through to very clever PhDs. After two or three years, a colleague of myself decided that we, we could do this ourselves. So we set up our own business. Um, and that business started in, in, I guess, 78 or 79, around the time that the Thatcher government was, uh, was coming in, into place. And through the 80s, we, we grew this business uh, quite rapidly. And it was, it was pretty successful. And it was a training business and it was a development business. Um, I never really thought about it it being any different from whatever it saw as a family business. Although Paulie, my wife, uh, started working, and uh, Pauline's sister worked in the business, and her husband did a bit in the business. And, and so it went on until the late 80s. And I think in the 80s, to be perfectly frank, I mean, it was, it was relatively easy. Mm. Here I was as a social worker, and I became the MD, major shareholder. Um, and in the 80s, I think, we were all successful. We all believed that we could conquer the world, uh-huh. and it was upward, upward and upward And we did, and we grew it quite, quite rapidly, and we had a good time, we had a good life. And then 1990, crash, interest rates hit the ceiling. Oh. Because we, we'd never really thought about the downside, it was always about the upside, uh-huh. and we always believed we were gonna be successful. We just couldn't cope with the downside and long story short, the business went into liquidation in 91, 92 uh-huh. and Paul and I both as directors of the business had given personal guarantees and after two years of fighting the bank, we, we sort of gave up and decided that the, the best thing for us was to both go bankrupt okay. and we made the decision to go bankrupt together because we didn't want blame. Uh-huh. And, and so that's what we did. We both went bankrupt and we lost our house and we literally lost everything. So here we are at the age of 42, 43, uh, thinking, OK, so, so what now? And I decided I'd go back to university. And I did. I went back to the University of Bristol. I did a master's degree in business psychology. And uh, I was halfway through that. And Pauline had got a job working at a local hospice and I was coming home telling me some fairly horrendous stories about about you know, what, what, what she was seeing and what she was experiencing as working in the hospice. And it sort of put what we'd been through into some sort of perspective. Mm. But at the time, I blamed everybody. I blamed the guy next door, the bank, the economy, you know, the cat next door, you name it. I blamed them. And it was only when I, I, was, I started to study and, and to reflect on... What had happened, I suddenly realised actually, you know what, John, a lot of this was actually down to you. Uh-huh. You weren't actually cut out to be a managing director, okay. you were a social worker. Uh-huh. So I did the struggle. I was halfway through and I, I, was, I was at a conference. And you know what it's like when two guys get together and they start talking? One says, Well, what do you do? It usually means what do you do for a living, not what do uh-huh. you do on a Saturday night or the weekend or what do you do with the kids? So it's, 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 it's a pretty loaded question a lot yeah. of the time. And so I started talking about what I was doing. And this guy was a psychotherapist. And uh, he said to me, that's a interesting, Do you work with family businesses? I said, uh, uh, maybe, I, I don't, what's the difference, you know? Right. Business is a business. And he said, well, what about your own business? Was it a family business? I said, well, my wife worked in it. And, and, and he said, I think you're fine by any definition. That's probably a family business. And right. he said, what about your children? Well, I said, no, they didn't, they didn't come into the business. And he said, no, no. He said, what about your children? Oh. I said, well, I just told you they didn't come into the business. And he said, well, that's not my question. My question is, what about your children? I said, I don't understand the question. He said, well, have you ever asked them what it was like for them to grow up in a family business? So here I am, I'm looking at him going, no. <laughs> I was the MD and I was off doing this, that and the other and conquering the world and all the rest of it. The kids were growing up and going to school and he said, oh, okay. Anyway, about three weeks later, I'm at home. And um, my oldest by this time, because bear in mind when we went through a bankruptcy, the kids were, were in their early teens. Uh-huh. So we're now a few years old, of course. And uh, I asked them. Leslie, Leslie, my oldest was in uh, America at this point. I joined her boyfriend and the youngest one we had a few problems with. And she, but she, they were both at home. And I'm, I'm convinced that my own family has had a profound effect on me being in this field. Uh And I didn't know that, I I, I wasn't aware of that. So I said to them just gently, tell me girls, what was it like for the two of you growing up when mum and dad in business together? And it was a complete silence. You could have heard a pin drop. (laughs) And the youngest one said, "Uh, are you gonna tell him or shall I tell him? So the eldest one, he said, no, I'll tell him. So we took a chair just an ordinary dining chair that I'm sat on right now. And I stuck it in the corner of the room. And I don't know where they got it from, but I found some masking tape. Uh-huh. Cor- carpet masking tape. And they put it around my mouth. So I'm sitting there with this black masking tape <laughs> around my mouth.
0: Oh, hostage. Yeah.
1: And, and they said, Dad, for 20 years or however long it's been, 18 years, the one thing you've been really good at doing is talking. Talk, 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 talk. All the time. What you've never been very good at is listening. Oh, yeah. Now, you have no choice, you're gonna listen. So I listened to my two daughters tell me what it was like for them to grow up with mum and dad in, in business together, the good and the bad. Oh. Uh, I won't bore you with all the details, but some of it was quite interesting in terms of how they saw it. And when they'd finished, I, I just sat there and thought, wow. wow. Anyway, they took the tape off, which wasn't a particularly pleasant <laughs> experience. <laughs> And I got up and I think, I said something like, I think I need to go for a walk. Uh. And his voice said, could you sit down a minute? Because there's a few things I want to say. And it was Pauline. Uh. And I said, oh, me, not more, not more masking tape. She said, no, no, we don't need to put a masking tape (laughs) on. And then she told me, we'd been married 29 years. And she actually told me that her ambition in life was to be a nurse. Right. And I looked at her, and I was—I I literally was gobsmacked. And I said, you have never, ever told me you wanted to be a nurse. Oh. And she said, John, have you just not taken any notice <laughs> of what the girls have just said? Oh. You don't listen. Oh. So... Here we are, my wife telling me that after 29 years of marriage, me thinking about what the psychotherapist has said, and by the way, what he talked to me about was the fact that a lot of his work was with men. Right. I said, I don't want this to be about gender or, or, or anything, but he talked about men of a certain age visiting him for psychotherapeutic support help. And a lot of them were business owners. All right. And the question they wanted to ask him or, or for them, that they wanted to ask themselves was, with his help, was, what was all this about? Uh-huh. What what have I done it for? My wife wants me to pack it in, the kids don't want to come into the business, the ones that have come into the business are not up to it, you know, I can't hand it on, they can't do it without me, all that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. And I sat and I thought, I've got this sociology background, I've done, I'm have done. i half with this master's degree, I've got this experience of having, if you like, been through it, I've just been told by my two daughters, there must be something I can do with all this uh-huh. law. And, I skewed my research to looking at family businesses and my um, dissertation subject was intuition and how intuition is used to inform business decision-making. And I started an interview with family business people, owners, and I then realized that there was very little in the UK going on in in the field of family business. Now, we're talking mid-90s here. Right, okay. Okay. One place that I did find was in Scotland Uh with with somebody by the name of Barbara Murray. Uh And the other person was McCracken. Yep. Now, you know Ken.
0: Um,
1: And I have a huge amount of professional, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Admiration. Admiration, yeah. I have a lot of admiration for Ken. I think he's done a huge amount for the field of family business. So I took myself up to Scotland and I I, I decamped, if you like. Uh And I sat and I listened and, and I met lots of people. But most of them were American. Okay. Even in Scotland, there were people coming in from America John Davis, uh, John Ward, um, Craig Aronoff. and, and, and just people, that, names that I'd started reading about. And I thought, well, this needs, I need to go to America. Uh-huh. So I took myself over to America, and I realized that that's where the body of, of knowledge was. Okay. I would probably spend, I don't know, two or three years, backwards and forwards, and I got involved with FFI. And slowly, I got my first piece of... I thought, this is what I want to do. This is what my calling is. Uh-huh. This is what I've been put on this planet to do. And that sounds, you know, emotional and tried, but it just felt, felt that that was what it was about. Uh-huh. And... I got my first piece of family business consulting work and I thought, wow. I I was also scared. Uh I I just never had realized the complexity of it. And I was out of my depth. I didn't know what I was doing and I floundered. But I got through it. I got through it because I had some other colleagues that I'd been starting to work with, you know, Nick. Uh I'd met Nick by now. Nick Smith was, was a lawyer in Bristol and I'd been working with him and I'd been working with some of his colleagues. And then I got asked by the University of... I'm beginning to build a bit of a reputation. So I got asked by the University of Gloucestershire to do a bit of teaching. So I started doing a bit of teaching. Uh, We got some funding and we developed an MBA program for family business. So now I'm doing some academic work as well. So I'm, I'm doing some consultancy work. So I'm doing some academic work. And on the door was Grant Thornton. Grant Thornton came along. It it, it sounds arrogant when you say you were headhunted, but I sort of was. Uh So I joined Grant Thornton in 1993, 92. I know it was April Fool's Day. And it was the first of <laughs> April, uh, and I spent three years with Grant Thornton. It were three really good years. I travelled the world. I started doing consulting work in the Philippines, Western Europe, Thailand, Hong Kong, Singapore, and I, and I, I just had a bore. And I and I learned so much uh-huh. in in those three years, but it wasn't really for me. I came home one night, and Pauline said, "John, I didn't really sign up to this." Yeah, uh-huh. was like, so. I know it's a bit long-winded, but it's 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 how I came to be in this work. Uh-huh. And my, my own family has had quite a profound impact on that. Okay. So I started doing more teaching and I started doing more consultancy work. Um, long story short, we did a lot of work in New Zealand in the farming community. I worked with Massey University and Lincoln University. We developed some programs around governance and succession Um and by this time, Grant Thornton and the University of Gloucestershire formed a, a joint venture called the Inter- and, we, and it eventually became the International Centre for Families and Business. Uh-huh. And that ran for seven or eight years, and I was the M.D. of that. So the, there's a whole mix of the, of the, of the, of the experience, uh-huh. the academic bits and, and the consonant. But my love has always been working with families. Uh-huh. And I believe that's why I was put on this earth. To do okay. so it's a, i know it's a bit long-winded but it's sort of no, that's good. It's a bit of a rounded picture
0: it, it gives us a background uh, so thanks done for, for that background it sounds like you've had a uh, a varied and exciting um career um to date the the purpose of today's show is to give our audience an overview of what family business consultancy is now if you say to people you do family business consultancy that the two words they tend to hear more than the family bit is the business consultancy bit so there's a bit of a misconception that you go in and tell businesses that their margins are wrong that their marketing's wrong that their sales are wrong and they do all of this and you add x amount to the bottom line but but that's not what family business consultancy is is it so perhaps could you um summarize what you would consider family business consultancy to to be can you define define it easily
1: you know i mean we've we've worked long enough for you to know that i I love telling stories Uh so i'm going to tell you another story not about me well a bit about me but more about the answer to your question i think i think it's a question that gets asked over and over and over again so to what is it that you do you know my daughter is often what do you do dad (laughs) what do you actually do one of, the th- one of the things you learn is a where you're training in social work or, and, and I guess in psychology as well is supervision we've practiced supervision in our own practice now for, for years and it means that you have someone else who says why mm-hmm. what are you doing, how are you doing it and it's a practice we've taken over and, and I was fortunate enough in the very early days of my, my consulting career to bump into well, I actually bumped into. I was interviewed by him. He was looking for a color. He said a, he was an American ex corporate lawyer uh-huh. who'd got into family business consulting, wow. and he had been offered a piece of work in the UK. and He was he was in his mid seventies, and he was finding a travelling butters and forwards quite difficult. So he was looking for a UK collaborator, and he interviewed two or three people. I don't know who the others were, but I was lucky enough to be offered the opportunity to work with him. And that was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made uh-huh. to work with him. He was the consummate professional. And I learned more about what family business consulting is from this guy, Steve Swartz, than I've learned from anyone else in the whole of my working career. And Steve became my, my, my mentor, my supervisor, but he lived in um, Minneapolis. So for, I think it was about three years on the trot, I would take myself across to Minneapolis for a week and have myself taken apart Uh and my practice taken apart Uh and put back together again. And it was around the time when my oldest daughter, Leslie, had decided to move from America to uh, Indonesia. And I was being fairly judgmental and critical of her lifestyle at that point. I thought it was not a healthy place Uh for her to be. And I said so. And she got into, into all sorts of trouble. And I hadn't spoken to her for about nine months. And uh, the way that Steve and I used to work, we'd get up in the morning about 6.30, 7.00, 7.00 o'clock, and we'd sit on his porch and we'd start working. And he'd get the coffee out and we'd drink coffee. And we're, we're there, uh, second or third morning, we're there sitting on, this, on the porch. And he looked at me and he said, you're not with me this morning. What, what, what's, what's going on? And I said, oh, I don't know. I said, the more we've been talking, the problem with doing this work is you can't escape your own stuff. So the questions you're asking, you're reflecting on yourself. And i would just been very sad about my relationship with my daughter. Mm. And he said, tell me. And I ranted. I ranted for about half an hour okay. about how selfish she was and she was this, she was that. She didn't love her. She pushed off to the other side. Oh, 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 I, I went on for half an hour. And he sat there and didn't say one single word all the way through. And when we finished, he looked at me and he said, guess you're going to have to go to Indonesia then. Huh. I said, what the bloody hell are you talking? Off I went again, ranting for another <laughs> 10 minutes. And he said, not a word again. And... When I finished, he looked at me, he so said, have you finished now? I said, yeah, I think I'm all ranted out. He said, good. He said, I'll just go and make some more coffee. Off he went. And he left me. I'm sitting there. And I started to cry. And uh, I picked the phone up and I texted my daughter for the first time in nine months. I don't know what time it was in Indonesia, in I guess, seven o'clock in the evening. Uh and I text Leslie, I need to come and see you. i have got to text back, why? Because there's some things I need to say, what? I can't say why, and this just went on for five or six minutes. And in the end, the only thing I could do, sorry. The only thing I could do was to text her and say, Leslie, I need to see you because I love you. Uh And I got a text back and it said, it's okay, dad. I'll come, I'll come and see you. So I put the phone down and I'm sitting there and i got these tears rolling out of my cheeks. And he came back and he put the two cups of coffee down and he looked at me and he said, you okay? I said, yeah. You sure? I said, yeah. He said, what, what's happened? What did you do? I told him and he said, good result. And we carried on as though nothing had <laughs> happened. I, I, I was like, oh, okay. So we carried on working in commas. So I stewed on that for about two or three days. And in the end, four or five days in, we're, we're out on the, on the thing again, on his uh, patio. And I said, Steve, I've got to ask you this. What the hell did you do? <laughs> and he looked at me and said, I didn't do anything. You did it. Mm. I said, no, you, you did something. And he said, John, all I did was to use the skills that I use when I'm working with clients. Uh-huh. I observed. I challenged. I advocated. And you did. I didn't. Uh-huh. You did. All I did was to facilitate, support, support and help you to do what you knew you needed to do. Okay. Now, you may not have known you needed to do that at the time that we started that. Uh-huh. So in answer to the question, it isn't about legal advice. It's not about accountancy advice. It's not about financial, you know, financial planning. It's not about operations. It's not about HR. It's not about, we're not family. I'm not a family therapist. It's not about counseling. It's not about mediation. Do we use all of that? Yeah, somewhere in there, probably. Uh I've done counselling courses, I've done mediation courses. So we take from anthropology, we take from sociology, we take from psychology, and we use that. It's the skill set that you have Uh to work with the client to help them identify what the real issues are and to help them find the answers that are right for them. Uh And I believe that's the essence of the work.
0: Okay, Does that answer your question? It it does, and and I think, I mean, we're in in a a favourable position in that I've been working with you for for three years, so um, some of the questions I might ask you you might think, well, why have you been listening for three years? Um, But but for the benefit of of those that haven't been able to or or been fortunate enough to, to work with you, what are the common areas that families will be experiencing challenges in where... Family business consultancy could be considered as a as an intervention, if you like. Well, uh, well uh,
1: if you want to put labels on it, because um, I think that probably helps. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there's probably the big three for me. Um, often you, we will get asked to help with succession. Uh-huh. Now I, I know that the field has, is is changing. And, and the nomenclature is changing. Um, and there are people out there trying to find, if you like, other words to put on that. Uh-huh. But, but generally families will still talk about succession. You know, uh, so, so you, you have this succession and, and that's, that's quite a generic label uh-huh. because often I think a lot of families struggle with, with separating ownership and management succession. Uh-huh. So you don't ever get. Well, you, you do occasionally get. We want you to help us with management succession, but very rarely do you get that distinction between ownership and management succession. And I think they're very different. Uh-huh. So we could label succession as being number one. Come and help us. We're having a problem. How do we get from first to second generation? If that's what the family believe they want, uh-huh. and how do we get from second to third? maybe even third to fourth. Um, so succession being one. But often that problem is wrapped up in something called family dynamics or family relationships. So that would be my, my second, if you like, although very closely related to the first. And often the succession issues that they're having may well be to do with family relationships, family dynamics. And I guess the third is is government uh-huh. in, its, in its bigger sense. Um, but, but governance, I think, for a lot of family businesses, is often often seen as a negative. It's often seen as a, I don't know, some sort of external force, a banker yeah. they cancel, or a council, are putting a brake on yeah. the behaviour of the entrepreneur. And so, governance has got a bit of a sort of bad press.
0: Yeah. They're trying to rein me in. And yeah, they tell yeah. me What to do? Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So, but what I would say that those those were probably the three areas. I mean, I could go on about, you know, sibling rivalry and generation, you know, and, and sibling generation, generational issues and okay. gender issues and, you know, but, but I, I actually think those, those three are probably the, the major three.
0: Okay. And so, I mean, you've touched on it a little bit there in terms of how families then, or what what point they need to get to in order to to be in touch. Um, am I right in thinking predominantly it's, it's where there's some form of pain, frustration, um, a blockage somewhere within their, their system that they think, actually, we need some help here? What point do families get to before they think, right, I need some, some help?
1: Again, in my experience, it's usually one person okay. um, that you get the contact from. Now, that may not be the person that's feeling the most pain. But somewhere in the family system, there is pain. And unfortunately, I don't think we've developed the field enough yet. It it, it is changing. I believe families are beginning to say, we can see down the road and we can perhaps predict Mm -hmm. we might have some issues with some of this. Let's address that before it becomes an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, But generally... We will get caught in, or I will, I will get a call, or we will get a call at a point of almost crisis. All right, okay. Um, but I don't want to generalise that. I don't want to say that's always the case, mm-hmm. but it is generally the case. Okay. And it's we don't. It's a blockage, uh-huh. and we don't know how to unblock it. Yeah. We've been to see our accountant, our lawyer, or whatever, and. <laughs> I don't want to be disparaging about those other... They, 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 there are lots of lawyers and lots of accountants and lots of financial planners who work with, with family business clients and they work very well. Um, and, and there are some that have come from those, those disciplines to end up in the middle of this, this thing and become a, a family business consultant. Uh-huh. And that's what they want to do. Um, you know, we all come from some silo of, of, of original d- discipline. But we're allowed into... The heart of a family, and that's a very privileged place to be. Mm. And I think we need to understand that that we have to treat that with care. We have to treat that with the with the with the, the respect that it deserves, and we have to be gentle. Mm-hmm. It's easy to fire from the hip,
2: yeah.
1: and the one thing that I learned from Steve Swartz was, and I think he described it as going gently into the eye of the storm. Okay. You have to ask the difficult questions, but you have to do it in a caring manner. Yeah. So, and again, I, th- I hope that answers your question. It is usually a point of crisis, and it is usually when there's some pain around. Mm-hmm. So you're normally going into what could be quite a negative environment a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand you're dealing with high emotion. Yeah. And you've got to be able to deal with that. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think it's important to, to point out as well that... When a family business consultant goes into a family business, they are there to work with the family. So they're not working for mum or dad or for brother or sister. They are working for the family as a unit and for a unit because there's, we've had it where we've been working with with people who have said, um, the advice I get is from my lawyer is to me. It's not to the family, it's specific to my circumstance, or so the advice I get from my financial planner is for me and my wife, or me and my husband, it's not for the whole family as as a whole. And I think it's important to point out that, that whilst we would work with individuals, a family business consultant will work with individuals within the family as part of their assignment, you're not working for any one individual, that's right, isn't it?
1: That's right. Yeah, you work um, for the system, the family.
0: And I think one of the um questions that that i think will be important for us to answer today is if there's a family out there that is experiencing some pains and blockages and frustration and they go to google or wherever and 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 do a search for family business consultants they come up with somebody they sit in front of somebody what questions would you suggest the family ask a family business consultant to see whether they're the right person to work with them or not because it it's an emotional place to be and it, it's um, part of our role is very um, you do get down to the kind of nitty-gritty of, of stuff don't you And it so you've got to be able to trust and like that person how, how can you start to do that in, in a first meeting if you were a family sat in front of a consultant what would you ask them
1: when, I, when we first start working with a family there are three basic questions one is, why now? What are we doing here today? Uh-huh. Why now? Why not yesterday? Why not tomorrow? Why now? The second question is, tell me your story. And the third question is, do, do, do you have some feel for what outcome you're looking for? Uh-huh. So if I was a family, I'd probably start with the middle question. Okay. Tell me your story. Uh-huh. We, we, we have got some notion as to why we're here. Uh-huh. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sat where you are. Yeah. Um, but tell me your story. And in telling that story, I think as a family, I would want to know that the person sitting in front of me is going to treat my family with that care and respect. Mm-hmm. Now, you won't know that um, straight away. But over a time that you're talking with somebody, you're going to get to, to, to get some feelers uh-huh. so experience for what you know what have you done yeah. who have you worked with how have you done it um how long you you've been doing this I, I don't want to be ageist about this but i think a few grey hairs probably helps uh-huh. i want to know that the person in front of me is qualified and i don't mean necessarily academically qualified but i think that helps uh-huh. that you understand some of the theory behind the models one of the really important questions for me is about methodology
0: uh-huh.
1: and about what underpins the methodology that you use. Now, you know as well as I do that I, I am a big advocate of the work of Edgar Schein uh-huh. and, and process consulting. Yep. And you also know that I'm a big advocate of, of Peter Senge and the fifth discipline in systems thinking. So underpinning my work is, is always that, that theory. Uh-huh. So I would want to know from, from a consultant, okay, so tell me about your underpinning theory. I need to know what premise you're, you're yeah. coming from, what are you using, and what are you looking for? Uh-huh. So if you're going to spend time with my family, I need to know that they're going to get looked after. Yeah.
0: And I guess for, for some it's, it's helping to understand what the experience is going to be like because it's something that if, if you go to... Um, I don't it goes somewhere really predictable like your doctor's. You know roughly what your experience is going to be. You're going to explain your symptoms. He's going to look at um, what what there is and prescribe you something to to help solve that. So so you understand that that process is is going to happen. If you're going to see a lawyer, you're expecting her to come back and say um, something legalish about what it is that you're you're looking for. But in order of helping um, families understand what the process is, what we've just explained, is none of those things, probably closer to a doctor in terms of listening and and helping to to diagnose, but it's almost a self-prescription, would you say, guided self-prescription in terms of the solutions?
1: Yeah, the client client that you're working with will have the answers, Mm. they will. It's hard work, so you need to be able to um, explain that this process is not a, nobody's coming in with a magic wand here. Mm This is something you have to commit to, and it's not something that's on the side either. You know, you're in a business together, so therefore, your relationships and the, and the dynamics of that relationship and the stresses and strains that you put under that put that relationship under when you put a family into the goldfish bowl of a, of a business is hard work. Uh-huh. When you we were talking to three brothers yesterday, they spend sixty hours a week together. Uh-huh. That's huge in time it's probably more time you spend with your own you know family your own um family at home and the stresses that that puts on that that relationship and 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 if you're going to work with this group of people they have got to commit to putting the hard yards in you're not going to put the hard you're going to put the yards that you need to put in to enable them to put those hard yards in but too many In in my my humble professional opinion, too many families are given the impression there is a solution here. Uh Um, I I was with a very, very good colleague of mine, not not this week, and I described to him a situation that we're going into. Uh You know the one I'm talking about. And I'd have been talking for about 10 minutes, less than 10 minutes, maybe 8 minutes. And he said, oh, yeah, well, what they need to do is... And, and and that's what happens. It, it's here's the solution. Yeah, you know, but, but this is a complex mixture mm. of emotions and, and and technical and and you know, it it, it, it there aren't any easy answers. Mm. And the family needs to understand. Yeah, that, that if they're going to do this and go through this process, oh, buddy, when we get right up front, we need to see all the family. Mm-hmm not just the two people or three people that this appears to be about. So it's about spouses, it's about children, it's about mum and dad, it's about any uncles and aunts. So I, even after 30 years, Russ, I still use the three-circle model. Uh And I guess your podcast before I've talked about the three-circle model. I still use that to look at the whole constellation of the family Uh because you don't know where the pressures are coming from and where the influences are coming from. Uh So at the beginning, it's a bit like putting a jigsaw together. You've got some of the pieces, Uh but you can't finish that picture unless you have all the pieces. And if a family says, no, I don't want you to see so-and-so, often I go, okay, I I can't can't help Uh you and I can't work with you. Now that's purist. And a lot of people would say, you know, you can't go that far, but I'm sorry, I think you have to. Uh because we're talking about a family in business mm. and it's not just the people who work in it. Yeah. The, the, the way the family works, it, you know, you imagine you go home at night, who do you talk to? Mm. You talk to your spouse, your partner. You might even talk to your kids. Mm. The kids have been, been, if you've been in business for that, 20 years and you've had three children, they've listened to you talking to your spouse for the last 20 years. Yeah. They know Freddie's on the, on the forklift or, you know, Cyril is in, in the in, the, in the <laughs> factory. They yeah. know all that stuff. Uh-huh. And so it permeates in, permeates into the brain. Uh-huh. And you've got to understand, I think the family and I say God, that sounds arrogant, but I think we become a little bit trite if we're not careful. Uh-huh. Oh, I can help you. Yeah. Yeah, well here's the answer, here's the solution. And then they think they've solved it. and mm. oh, guess what? It pops up again. Yeah. It's a bit like that kids you remember that kid you know that be like before your time. But there was a, a kids uh, toy called Twister and it was like a, a big piece of plastic that you put on the floor yeah. and filled with water and um, you no. put you, you put your foot on one bubble yeah. right and you, you you go like that and the bubble yeah. would disappear. Yeah, I've I've, I've stamped on that I bubble. Oh, popped there's up another up one popped there. up over there. Yeah. You know, and you yeah. go over and you stamp on that. Oh, there's yeah. another one popped up <laughs> over there. Yeah. So it's really. a bit like that. So, in answer to your question, I think it's about experience. I think it's about education. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's about, but the most important thing is you've got to look at this consultant and go, can I trust him? Mm. Can I trust him with the most precious thing that I have? Yeah. And that's my family. Okay.
0: And in terms of positive outcomes, what are the benefits do you think of families looking at consultancy as a as a route? because there are other, other solutions. there are potentially easier solutions. We've said that that they perhaps put a plaster over it, or paper over the cracks rather than than actually deal with the issues. but there are far um, easier, more Widely understood ways of of tackling some of these issues that, that families might be facing. What what success factors do you think there are with doing what you do?
1: Ooh. Well, first of all, I would say that success is defined by the client, uh-huh. not not by by me. I th- I guess it's about the family believing that they're on a bit of a journey and that they have support on that journey. And that there's there's someone there that's always going to be with them on that journey, whether you are formally engaged or not. They might they might think it i can always pick the phone up and, and ask, but, but they're in a better place. Uh-huh. I actually there was um, you know I'm a big rugby fan. I'm sorry if I, I, I divert divert a bit, but I, I I don't want to dodge your questions, and, and I I, will, I think this will answer it. Andy Ripley was a. a An England rugby player, but he was also uh, at the age of I don't know how old he was, but he was getting on a bit. I think he got close to or got an Oxford blue in rowing as well. Right. Okay. And he was once described by somebody as having the brain of Einstein and and a pen of um, Shakespeare. Right. He was an incredibly talented guy, and he died early, I think, from cancer. Okay. But he spent some a while in a um, in a a, a, a retreat somewhere, and he wrote something about hope and about having hope. Um I've, I've never really explored this fully, but I, I suspect that families get to a point where they get stuck. And what they're looking for is hope. Uh-huh. Hope that, that they can move from that to a better place. And I believe that that's what they measure. Uh-huh. Are we in a better place now than we were when this process started? Has John Tecker, or whoever it is, Helped us, supported to supported us, and added to our family and put it in a better place. That's how I think they would measure. Uh-huh. They won't measure it by increased turnover yeah. or increased profit or EBITDA or whatever. It's it's we are there to work with the family. Uh-huh. We need to understand the business context. I need to understand how to read a balance sheet and I understand profit and loss and EBITDA and you know marketing and all of that. Uh-huh. And I think that's that, that has to go with the territory. Uh-huh. But it's about the family that we're there to work with. And they have to believe that you are working for all of them. Uh Not just one, not just dad, not just mum, but all of them. And that you have their best interest at heart, all of them. Uh And that takes a huge level of trust, which is why this process, when you get involved, is not a five minute wonder. Uh You cannot build that trust.
0: That was gonna be my next question, so you've led into that um, very well. typically and this is a really difficult question because i know i think i know what the answer is but it's a relevant question is how long does a piece of consultancy take now the answer is how long's a piece of string but but in like you say in your experience it's not one meeting and then everything's fixed or or everyone's clear on where they're heading but, but to give people an indication of Again, what the experience is going to be like if they do decide to, to look at consultancy as, as an option. How long are they looking to, to commit to work with somebody? Okay, let's, 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 let's
1: take a couple of different scenarios. and Let's assume that, that, that dad's running a 20 or mum's running 20 million pounds or another business. They've got three kids and they've already identified that, that child number one or two or three. But whichever one is going to become the next managing director, put the mm-hmm. ownership to one side. Yeah. And dad says, I'd like you to come in, and I, what I want you to do is work with my son and me. But my brief is very clear I want you to work with my son, and I want you to dev- help him develop to become the next MD. It's a fairly straightforward brief. Uh-huh. Now, it might, it might spread from that because I'd still insist on talking to other family members. But let's assume that we've got one single outcome in mind. That might take a year, 18 months, two years, depending on dad's retirement or whether he's going to retire or not. But I know that sounds like a very simple sort yeah. of example. So it could be a very short piece. I mean, another example would be a father, a mum who got us involved with working with our three children and we did a residential weekend. So we started midday on Friday, finished it midday on Monday because he wanted his eldest daughter to take her and he wanted his younger ones to understand. And we worked through that. And at the end of it, he said, thank you very much. Uh Job done. Um, Another family business I'm working with I've been there 10 years Uh because the process is much slower. Every family is different. I mean, I know that's trite and it's been said a million times, but but it's true. true. Every family family is different and they will move it around their own pace. Uh You can't, Make that happen. you can be there to support it, but you can't make it happen. A very good friend of mine was uh, a very senior I mean senior uh, employee at the University of Bristol. He was in the states uh-huh. I was working with a client down in deepest darkest Cornwall somewhere yeah. somewhere and there was a, a state that needed splitting up between siblings it was eight of them and I got, my, I got my colleague involved and uh, he went in and, and he did a great piece of work and it took him about two weeks and he got it all sorted out and then he wrote his report and he put his report in and that uh, was on a Monday. And on a Wednesday, he gives me a call. Johnny said, I haven't heard anything back yet. Yeah. And? <laughs> well, it's, it's been at least three days. Yeah. Well, this is important. Important to whom? Uh. Well, it's important to them. Yeah, okay. Anyway, Friday comes. I get another call. I've still not heard anything, you know. (laughs) No, because it's not not moving as fast as you. Yeah, but it should do because it's important and they need to get this. Yeah, we know that. Uh But it's going to move at their pace, not your pace, Uh to three months. To even start to have the debate wow, okay. because there were other priorities. There were kids, there was things going on and weekends away and holidays and their business and all the other stuff that goes on. You know, and, but, but for him, this was a priority. As the consultant, he'd written his report and he wanted a response mm-hmm. to it. And, and I think I, I've heard that a lot of time. Well, you know, they need to do this. They have to do this. They must do this. The words that don't make any sense yeah. a lot. Of them. They don't have to, must do. You know, it, it, it don't work like that. And and it's not words that that, that sit comfortably, mm-hmm. you know, because you're usually working with people that quite they don't like being told what to do that much. No. You know, and again, it's a generalisation, but it will move at its own pace. And they will define success often by you still being there, mm-hmm. you know, or not. If it's a piece of discreet work, you've done your job. But most of the time, it's actually, am I still here? And am I still here? Am I still adding value? As a consultant, I ask that question every probably three months. Mm -hmm. Am I still doing a good job? I still get supervision. I'm still being asked, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? What are we trying to achieve here? Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know if that answers your question.
0: Yeah, it does. Um, I think the answer is there is no answer. It depends, depends on the circumstances. It's also worth pointing out that it isn't always um, a situation of huge conflict of huge pain of huge upheaval that, that consultancy can, mm-hmm. can be effective and it can be effective in there um, but but it's it, it's kind of any period of transition isn't it that that where a bit of direction is needed uh, uh, an independent view in terms of what's right for the family can be facilitated through um, consultancy uh, and that uh, again brings me on to the a question I'll have around how do you maintain your independence when you're working with a family? So you work for a family for for 10 years, so you're almost part of that family in in some respects. And in the same way as anybody can have their favourite nephew, you're not allowed, but your favourite nephew, your favourite niece, how do you ensure you maintain your independence around, I really want that sister to do well over over the other one? Because that, that must be tricky.
1: I try, and I don't say that I'm always successful, to separate out what I'm paid professionally to do and what I think personally. Uh-huh. Now, if you're asking me whether those lines ever get blurred, I'd be lying if I said they don't. Okay. And if you ask me, do I have favorites, I'd be lying if I said no. Uh Um, What I try and do is be as objective and independent as I can in my actions and in the way in which I behave when I'm working with them as individuals
2: Uh
1: and when I'm working with them as a group. That's where supervision For me, a lot of the supervision that we do is about Um, maintaining independence. And if I am very aware that after 10 years, I could be too embedded. I could be as much a part of the problem now as reissues or whatever you, that the life of the business uh and my own needs and wants as a professional could be impacting just as much as any of the senior managers. I work with a lot of the senior managers as well, because uh-huh. my belief is that if you can't work with, and I guess this is where my um, business psychology uh, OD work comes in, I believe that if you can't work with the, the, the senior people in the business, I'm talking about directors now and, and senior managers, to ha- to work with them so that they understand the family constellation, the family dynamics, relationship, what is going on in the family, mm-hmm. then often a lot of your work goes it falls down in the middle. Yeah. So it's it's in keeping. It's in keeping a distance. I'm not a friend, although I believe one or two people that I've worked with would probably see me as their friend now. And and that is longevity, as much as anything else. Uh I still come back to the fact that Steve Swartz's comment, or or quote, of going gently into the eye of the storm, I still have to ask the difficult questions, Uh even after 10 years. And I think in asking those difficult questions, the family know that I'm still there to do the job that they employed me to do on Mm -hmm. day one. It's not easy. I think you've you've asked the, the the big question about about independence and and objectivity. It's not easy, and I'm not saying I have a, an answer to it, and I'm not saying that I've sometimes got it wrong. Uh-huh. But I don't mix socially. Mm, that's not strictly true. But I mix socially when I think it's appropriate uh-huh. for me to mix socially. Okay. Um, but I try and keep those two things separate. Uh-huh. And uh, not to be seen as um, part of the family, uh-huh. but it's difficult. Yeah, no, I've sorry, that sounds like a fudge.
0: No, no, um, not at all. I, I think it just it, it goes to show how um, involved um, a, a consultancy piece can be, and, and how it can be difficult to to separate that out at, at certain stages. Um, but I, I think that's a positive in a sense you're not going in cold hearted and going, right, bang, here's a solution, bang, here's a solution, off you go, see you later, and, and doing it that way. It's much more um, collaborative and it's a collaborative effort with the entire family rather than it being, you know, going in and following the instructions that mum or dad might have passed mm. down as to which sibling's going to take on the business. And that independence has to be um, paramount, I think. Yeah, you
1: haven't, you haven't sort of asked me this question directly, but I, th- I think it's worth making the point. I've, I've said that Steve Swartz was probably the most consummate professional family business consultant I've ever met. He, 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 t- he, told, he told me a story, again, early on in his career, when he was a young lawyer, and he said he'd go to meetings, and some of those meetings would be with families. And in the early days, he believed that he had to have the stiff upper lip. You know, he never showed emotion, uh-huh. and he said he'd be in a meeting and he could feel himself welling up, as I did earlier on when I when I think about some of this work. And yeah, I've been in, I've, over the years. I've been in, I've accused, if that's the right word, of being a, a softy, uh-huh. being a social worker, being a a therapist, or whatever phrases comes to mind. But Steve said he can remember a day when he was working with a family and he said the emotions were running high and he could feel himself wetting up. And he said he was mature enough at that point to cry.
2: Right.
1: And he, took, he said, I took my handkerchief out, he said, I dabbed my eyes. And he said, I looked at mum and mum was in tears. And she just looked at me and said, it's okay, it's okay. And he said, uh, and, and now he said, if, if, if it's the right thing to do, for me, you know, I don't mean the right thing, you know, I'm going to cry. Yeah. But if it, if it feels like that that's what you're feeling, uh-huh. you're feeling what, what your client is feeling, it's okay. Uh-huh. And that's happened to me on, on numbers of occasions, and I'm not ashamed of it anymore. I'm not worried about it anymore. I don't get affected by it. I, I, I think sometimes we can misinterpret tears. Uh-huh. And are they tears of anger, of frustration, of sadness, of joy? And and unless we know, unless we ask, we could be making huge assumptions Uh, about what tears are about. uh, Because that's that's a lot of the time how we release that emotion. It is in tears. And if people that you're working with uh, feel that that's what's happening to them right now, often it is a release. uh, And they need to know that you're feeling that. Because my view is that if I don't share what's going on for me, how can I ask you to share what's going on for you? Now, there's a lot of debate about that. Uh-huh. You know, you don't show emotions, you're, you're objective, you're professionally are this. Yeah, and I, I get all that. And, and yeah, there are a lot of people who subscribe to it, and that's fine. But that's, that's not me, and that's uh-huh. not how I behave. And I don't think there's any right or wrong to it. It uh-huh. just that's the way we behave uh-huh. in, in the work that I do. And, and I think it's okay.
0: Yeah.
1: I think it's, um, there's a psychologist, I forget what it is, who it is, an American psychologist. And it talks about the, the therapist, uh, uh, the counsellor, whatever, being real. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's about, you are the most important thing in the room right now. Yeah. And I'm being real because I'm sharing some of my stuff. Mm. I'm human as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a robot that's yeah. sat there waiting yeah. to spit out. You know, and illusion. I've got a tick list. Yeah. You know. Fantastic. Uh, We're coming towards the end of our Mm -hmm. um, time together this morning. As I say, it was a bit of a um, faff to to get us here (laughs) to to record. Luckily, there's nobody drilling into the walls as as we speak today. But but what I tend to ask um, all of our guests as um, closing questions is if you could disseminate all of your knowledge and experience down into one tip for uh, for family businesses, what would that tip be?
1: Am I allowed to tell you another story to finish? Yes. Uh, I was working at uh, one of the universities in Bristol, Um, sorry, in the southwest. And a young man arrived at the university, be about 28, 29, I guess. And in those days, uh, you very rarely saw a a young person on the staff. Uh Okay, it's, it's changed, but in those days, it tended to be people who. Towards the end of their careers maybe and people are coming in for industry to teach and what have you again generalization But for, to, to make the point that here's a young man sat in front of me So he came backwards and forwards into the refractory and I got to know him just said hello, you know Anyway, one day I thought I can have coffee with him. So I sat down with him and said that What's, what's a, I'm a young man like you doing in a place like this and he started telling me a story He said I'm taking time out. He said I'm taking time out. I just had a rather bruising 12 months in industry and I have decided that it would know, take some time out and he's part of the, the uh, business development team. So I said, oh, that sounds, that sounds, you know, not too great, so tell me, tell me what happened. And over a period of, a, I don't know, a couple of hours, we just chatted and it turned out he was the managing director, a second generation of his family business. So the minute he told him, started telling me that, I told that, me that. Yeah. So he said, my sister and myself were, were in the business together with mum and dad and my older brother. And uh, he said, I was the MD. He said, I was the middle one. And uh, we fell out with mum and dad about the, the future strategy of the business. He said, and they sacked us. Sacked me and my sister. <laughs> and he said, um, the last time I saw my mum and dad was across the, the floor of a court of law. Because we took them to tribunal for unfair dismissal. And I said, hmm. I wasn't too clever then. And he said, no, no, not the greatest experience in the world. But he said, you know, we got through it. And I said, did you win? And he said, yeah. We, we, we found on on our behalf. And I said, well, that must have been incredibly painful. I said, so what's happened since? He hadn't spoken to him since. Wow. How long ago was that? He said, I don't know, 12 months ago, whatever it was. We, after, by the time I got to speak to him, he would probably have been at the university for about 15 months, maybe 18 months. So I said, is it ever likely to... To mend, no, so never, never speak to him again. So I didn't, I didn't pass any comment. I just said mm, very, very sad. Anyway, about a year later, he stood at the university, and he comes in one day to tell me that his wife had given birth to a baby, and uh, he was delighted. He was now a dad. So I said something silly like, "Yeah, are you likely to? Is this likely to be the thing that mends the relationship, or well, not mends, but, but at least starts the no, mending so process?" No, He said, no, they're never going to see their granddaughter. Never. Unbeknownst to him, as the granddaughter had got to three months, six months old, his wife was taking the baby to see his parents. Uh, okay. And he found out, and it caused a huge rift between him and his wife. Uh And within a month, he had packed in his job and moved his family to Scotland. That's how strongly he felt Uh about it. I guess it would have been a year, 18 months, maybe even longer, two years. I'll never forget. And I know exactly when it was. It was a Friday afternoon at five o'clock, and a family. And it was this guy. I said, Hello. Nice to hear from you, you know, et etc. et cetera. He said, I thought I'd give you a call. He said, to let you know that I met my mum and dad. And I said, oh, big smile. Great. Um. You know, emotional me, saying, oh, thank God, you know. he said, no, John, uh, I'm not here for my mum and dad. He said, I'm here for my brother's funeral.
0: Wow.
1: And I said, okay, what's happened? He said, my older brother became the MD when we left, and I haven't spoken to him now for however long that period was, so mm. probably it's me three years. And apparently, he was, I don't know how old he was, late 30s, probably your age. A couple of kids, three mm-hmm. kids, two, I can't remember. And uh, stepped out of the shower, dropped it. Wow. Heart attack. Okay. And I just sat there, and uh, I, I, I didn't know what to say. I mean, what, what, what can you say in that mm. circumstance? So he said, I'm here, I'm here for my brother's funeral. And, he said, and I said, Supporting me, mum and dad, he said, yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah. And I didn't push anymore. The only question I asked him was, "Why are you ringing me? Uh-huh. Of all the people you're where are you ringing me? He said, I want you to do me a favor. I said, okay. He said, I want you to tell my story. Uh-huh. He said, whenever, whenever you get the opportunity to talk to an audience... I want you to tell my story. And I said, okay, I can tell your story, but why? He said, I want your audience to understand, in the end, all we have is family. Uh That may not work for everybody, but whatever happens in the business, it ain't worth it Uh to destroy the relationships that you have in a family. Now you could argue, Russ, that's not a tip. But I think it's a piece of sound advice. Yep. Business is business. Uh And you can usually, with the right commitment, the right care, the right support, sort out most business issues. Don't let them destroy your family. Uh Now, easier said than done. And I'm not sure whether you would call that a tip.
0: I think that's a fantastic. I think it's a great story. I know you, you've told me before. So um, it's, it's
1: it's just one of those stories that you you hear. And I think he said to me, "I will never get the chance to mm. tell my brother that I loved him."
0: Yeah. It also highlights the uniqueness of working with your family. Yeah. It, it's a unique. It's collectively unique because there's loads of family businesses out there, but it's. It's a uniqueness that just isn't experienced within non family businesses. You get closeness of relationships, but the family element is is what fascinates us, isn't it? It is. That that side of it is is what gets our um, our kind of excitement levels um, up there. So,
1: can I give you just one last tip for advisors? Yep. Just be aware. Of the privilege that you've been given uh-huh. to allow you to work with the family yeah i'm treated with care uh-huh.
0: and so for for those in in the audience who may be um thinking that consultancy might be something that they are interested in would benefit from having a conversation about there there are lots of um, very good family business consultants um, out there covering different areas of the country here in the UK, covering different areas of the world. We've been in touch and interviewed a, a few of them as part of the process for the um, for the podcast. So if, if you are thinking that that's something that you can um, would benefit from, we'd be happy to, to put you in touch with people who we think um, would be relevant uh, uh, around the, the world. Um, if you do want to get in touch with John, what's, what's the best way of doing that, John? Uh,
1: probably email. Okay. And it's john at thefbc.co.uk. Okay. Uh, I'm quite happy to give my, my mobile number as well.
0: No, we can, if you, if they can send the email. Yeah, that'd be, but that would be fine. Otherwise you'll get unsolicited calls from <laughs> all sorts of people. <laughs> so yeah, if we, if we stick to the email, we'll, we'll put a link in the show okay. notes to the, um, okay. to the email address. Um, and you're on LinkedIn, aren't you? I am. So again, we'll put a link up on there for, okay. for LinkedIn or you can get in touch via okay. um, the podcast as well. Um, but all, all I can say is it's, it's been a real privilege talking to you today. Um, it, it has taken a bit longer than perhaps we thought, but it's, I think it's very fitting it's episode 50. Um, and thank you for your time and, and your insights.
1: It's been a real pleasure. Thank you.
0: That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to leave us a review, please feel free to do so on iTunes. If you want to get in touch, you can find out more information at www.fambizpodcast.com. We'll see you again soon.